0: What's it all about show with your host Al Roberts? Let's get ready to rumble! Time to end this up! I'll get what you're doing, bro. You're watching all about in a I I show with me, Al Roberts. Another week, another show. Um, hope everyone's keeping ok. Hope you're all well. Yeah, um, big show this week, loads of stuff to talk about, um, yeah, we're going to talk about all sorts this week, we're going to talk about this weekend's, on the whole of things, bit of a lackluster UFC card, but the main event made up for it all in my opinion, I'm going to talk a lot about Robert Whitaker and his absolute, quite frankly, domination of Kelvin Gaslam, it, great fight, It, was, it don't get me wrong, great back and forth fight. But overall, Rubber Waker just putting on one of the best performances of his career. We're we'll going to talk about another couple of highlights from that card as well. Um, we're also going to talk about the Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix, which is underway. Uh, we've had three of the four opening fights of that tournament. are going to talk a bit about that. Uh, UFC 262 next weekend is a fucking massive card. It's huge. It's one of the best cards of the year so far. Um, on paper anyways, can't wait to talk about that. And we have got another triple hitter on this week in MMA history. We've got UFC 52 from April 16, 2005, which was the um, the second of three fights of Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture for the Light Heavyweight title. Um, very historic, a very epic fight. We've got UFC 70, Nations Collide. UFC 83, April 19th, 2008. Very much looking forward to talking about these three historical events and everything else on this show. Can't wait to get into it. I honestly can't. Great show this week. Loads of great stuff to talk about. But yeah, um, yeah. massive shout out to JMA Radio as always. If you just listen to this for the first time on the radio, uh, please feel free to listen to this show on Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts. It's out there in various different forms of uh, media please go have a listen. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Facebook. I'm not really using my Facebook account because what I find is unless you're paying for boosts, Facebook pretty much don't show your fucking posts to anyone. So yeah, fuck off Facebook. Fuck you. Easy as. Uh, But yeah, follow me on Instagram. I try and post a couple of things a week here and there. Um, I tend to do a lot of sort of the scheduling of the show and stuff like that. But yeah, um, also, as always, massive shout out to Timmy's Bar and Kitchen, I almost forgot. Big shout out to them lot, um, the sponsor of the radio station we're on. Please, if you're in the Carlisle area, go find find them, enjoy some of that fine food, man. It's all vegan cuisine, it's it's amazing, I promise you. But yeah, let's just dive into it, man. Uh, This weekend's UFC card was... As always, I think we get spoiled for a good couple of weeks of just fantastic cards, crazy fights, crazy finishes, and every so often, you hit a bit of a stump, and that was this weekend's card. Um, yeah, it is what it is. A um, lot of decisions, there was like maybe two finishes on the entire card. Some of the fights, fa- you know what, some of the fights were alright, um, but on the whole of things. I wasn't blown away by this card. I wasn't blown away by many performances, to be honest, but look, it is what it is. Nothing against it. Um The main thing I want to talk about is pretty much it's a very simple subject, man, and it is when we get when we're getting Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya too. That is the only that is the big take from this weekend. This is the big conversation I think everyone needs to be having. Yeah. That's it. Full stop. Um, Robert Whitaker put on just a clinic, man. People, you know what? I, I I think everyone. You know what? No, I was gonna say I think everyone forgets how good Robert Whitaker is. I take that back. I think it's people who don't have a fucking clue don't realise how good Robert Whitaker is. This guy is eleven and one at middleweight. Started his UFC career at a welterweight. Lost a couple of fights, um, I believe a knockout to Stephen Thompson, no shame there, and I think he just got ground out by Court McGee over a three-round period, so he moved up to middleweight. Since going up to middleweight, the guy has fucking decimated pretty much everyone bar Israel Adesanya. He really has. He's ran through some unbelievably great fighters, unbelievably great fighters. Um, but yeah, this weekend, I mean, the big thing, you know what, that... That um, left jab, right cross, right high kick combination he uses, it is fucking a thing of beauty. It really is. This is the same technique he pretty much knocked out Derek Brunson with, Jacare with, and he's landed out on pretty much every one of his opponents, but he, he seemed to have that zeroed in in this fight. What I will say is Calvin Gaslam has an absolute jaw of iron. Like The shots this guy took in this fight, were unreal. They really were. Like, Whitaker teed off on him um, from start to finish. Just looked so good. Um, listening to Dominic Cruz's um, commentary, I'm not the biggest fan of Dominic Cruz as a commentator. I find him an irritating little prick. But on the whole of things, he had it bang on in the sense of, I agree with this after sort of looking over the fight, and Whitaker sets everything up with something. Nothing's thrown on a whim. Everything is combinations. Everything is setups, and you know what I mean. It was beautiful work with just in the sense of as soon as Kelvin even stayed still a little bit, there was a leg kick there, there was a teep there. Everything followed something. There wasn't just, a, you know, throwing power shots for the sake of it. Everything flowed. Um. Also, Rob, Rob Whitaker showing off that he has the, the most underrated wrestling in that division. This is a guy who did 10 rounds with your Romero and got back up to his feet pretty much every time and pretty much had a damn good go wrestling back and forth with your Romero. Um, he, did, he did really well getting Gastelum down a good couple of times and controlled him there from sort of half guard. Brilliant work. Just great fight, man. And you know what? Kelvin Gaslam's a dog, man. Like, I'm a big fan of Gaslam. Really big fucking fan. Like, I think the guy's got some of the best boxing at middleweight. He's got an absolutely amazing... He's a southpaw, but he uses amazing sort of... Like, almost like a lazy check hook into that absolute cannon of a left hand. And it wasn't like he didn't land it on Whitaker, man. Like, at the end of the fight, Whitaker was busted up. He really was. Um, but yeah, on the whole of things, cutting right to the point... Witaka versus Adesanya too. Uh, bold statement or not, I think I genuinely think waiter beats Adesanya in that rematch, man. I just think I don't think he's going to make those same errors he did in the first one. The first fight. Personally, in the first fight, I watching that at the time, I would I actually didn't think it was a bad game plan of what he was using. That whole dive in, hit hard, get out. The only problem is. You can't do that with Adesanya. As soon as you dive in, commit to something and don't get it, his counters are so fucking good, man. Like, he will sleep you no problem. In this fight, I, in the rematch, I genuinely think that Whitaker's got the combinations to, to genuinely give Adesanya some serious threats in a lot of ways, in a in a great amount of ways. I also think the big element is the wrestling. I think uh Despite Jan Jan Blackowitz being a much bigger fighter than Adesanya was, m- much heavier, I should say, I think Whitaker's the same. I think Whitaker, I think Whitaker could go up to two or five, and you know do all right. Um, I think Whitaker's the bigger, stronger guy in that fight, and I think he can utilize that wrestling. If he can get uh, a good body lock or underhooks, it's not so much about the shots and the double legs and the singles. But I think he could easily, if he can get. Get Adesanya, get the body lock, get an underhook. I think he takes him down. And I think he controls him pretty effortlessly on the ground. The other side, this is Adesanya's striking is next level. There's no two ways to describe it. Adesanya's striking is unbelievable. His counter speed, combinations, head movement, everything is there. He's he's just above everyone else in that sense. But I think Whitaker still has that skill set to beat him. Bold statement, a lot of people might say, but Robert Whitaker, since losing to Adesanya, has went through Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, and Kelvin Gastelum on the belt, and looked better and better and better in each one of those fights. Till was probably the one who gave him the hardest go of it. Cannonier, I think he just outdid Cannonier, just out outstruck him and looked far better. Broke Cannonier's arm in that fight, pretty much, and I think in this fight it just showed that. Um, as good a Calvin as good a boxer as Calvin Gaslam is, and he is a fucking great boxer. You know what I mean? When you mix when you're a high level kickboxer, it it just trumps boxing every day of the week. It really does. There's so many more elements and so many more things mixed in and coming at you. Um personally i i I think Robert Whitaker the big question, um another well, another big question to take about this was he was meant to fight Paulo Costa. Um, I think Kelvin Gaslam is a better boxer than Paulo Costa I do I think he's a better striker than Paulo Costa on all the things I really do um, I think if Whitaker had fought Costa and put that performance on I think he would have body bagged Costa I really do I think he would have fucking put him under easy as simple uh, Robert Whitaker is is the fucking boy easy as I'm a big fan of Whitaker I've been since he was on um, the ultimate fight at the the smashes where he just pretty much annihilated the uk team flawlessly and won uh yeah great just great on the whole of things though, absolutely amazing on the whole of things um yeah where it converges is israel Adesanya this year without a doubt it's got to be he's a clear shot for that for that title shot I don't think anyone else in that sort of um middleweight division by maybe derek Brunson's on a good killing spree at the minute. Um, yeah, I think Brunson's another guy. Who, I think we could do Brunson Costa. We could do Brunson Till. Uh, yeah, the options are there. Canineer's coming back, going to be coming back for a fight. The middleweight division's a, a, a fucking damn good division. It really is. But we've got it's it's, it's exciting at the moment. It's a lot of a, a lot of the guys in that division. by the likes of Brunson and Whitaker are on win streaks. So a lot of the guys are sort of win win loss or. Loss, win, loss, or you know what I mean. There's a lot of inconsistency with them, which makes the rankings even more exciting because any guy can take those top rankings on any given night. It just, I love that. Like, I really do. I enjoy it. But yeah, um, the other side, the darker side of this is the fact that Calvin Gasol's now one and four in his last five. But it, you know what? You look at who he's fought when he's fought them. You know what I mean? The guy lost a very close fight with Israel Adesanya for the interim belt. Came back and had a very fucking close fight with Darren Till. Uh, then he got heel-hooked by Jack Hermanson, who's no no joke, no slouch at all. Uh, comes back, beats uh, oh, Ian Heinish, by decision, looked great in that fight. And then he's just done five rounds with number one contender by far in the division so there's no shame in in one and four when you're not losing to the number 15 in the rankings you're losing the top guys in that top five yeah it is what it is man um still a big fan of Gaslam I think Gaslam's boxing's amazing I think he's he's hard as a coffin nail man like that guy's jaw is unbelievable the head kick he took against Whitaker in this fight um I believe it was maybe in the first round was flush. You couldn't have landed a more flush head kick, and he took it like a champ, and barely looked like it phased him. Calvin Gassam's also a lot shorter than a lot of these guys. He's only like five nine or something like that. He's just this little brick house. He really is. It's just this little stout boxer with wrestling. I think his boxing's brilliant, though. I just it just this fight proved that he needs to up his boxing to kickboxing. He needs to start throwing more kicks. Not like he hasn't got them. He throws the odd head kick here and there, the odd leg kick. But you mix in with his slick boxing combos and counters, throw head kicks into there, um, adapt to throwing kicks into his combinations or ending with kicks. And You know what I mean? We could see an evolution of Kelvin Gastelum. But yeah, either way, let's get Whitaker, Israel Adesanya underway. Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll call it now. It's a bold statement. Don't really give a fuck, but I think Waker beats Israel in that in that rematch. I think he knocks him off his pedestal, I really do. I think he he's just gonna go in there with such a such a way smarter game plan in every way, shape and form, man. 100 percent Um the rest of the card, like I say, man, it was it a bit lackluster, to say the least, in the in the most polite way. I don't mean it disrespectfully. There was a lot of good fighters on this card, a lot of fan friendly fights I described it as. The biggest hit was uh, we lost the main event, which was Jeremy Stevens versus uh, Dracar Close. Now this is apparently due to Jeremy Stevens pushed Close at the weigh-ins. It was a nice little shove. It was it was a good little shove. But next thing you know, Dracar Close came down with a load of symptoms, and they've described it as some form of neck spasm and a concussion due to the push. Hey, I'm not gonna. I don't, I've don't. i seen a lot of people saying he was shook and he's bailed out the fight and all this. We don't know. You can't say if he did or he didn't. I don't want to be the guy that pointed at a professional fighter and go, oh, he bailed because he got pushed at the weigh-ins. On the whole thing, that I, was, I was just really good. I didn't know the fight had been pulled until I actually put the main event on um, last night to watch. Obviously, working all weekend, I had it um, pre-recorded. I was good. I'm, I, I fucking love Jeremy Stephens, man. Like he's he's one of my favorite fighters to watch. The guy's just an animal. He just goes in there and scraps. Fun fact about Jeremy Stephens: he's got the most losses in U, in UFC in UFC history. But he's also got some absolutely unbelievable fucking wins and wars in in the UFC. So yeah, you really can't knock the guy in any way, shape, or form, man. The guy goes in and, and literally has fought anyone and everyone. Even his last loss against Kelvin Cater, he was winning that fight before that elbow landed. Look, I'm, I'm just—I know it just sounds like I'm just sat here defending Jeremy Stevens, but I was very disappointed. I really was. I was wounded that that fight wasn't going to happen. Jokiclos is a is a good fighter as well, man. Like he's—I think he's coming off a loss to Benny L which was an absolute fucking like three minute fucking war where he rocked Deriouche, Darius came back, rocked him, knocked him out. Crazy. The guy would have I, I generally genuinely was looking forward to two guys just getting in there and slugging it. I think it would've maybe saved this card a bit having that sort of fight on, on the coal But yeah, disappointed to say the least. I was fucking wounded to be honest. But anyways, the co event um ended up being Andre Vlosky, Chase Sherman. Andre Vlosky taking the decision. This was a good fight, man. Like you had quite a young guy coming up, Chase Sherman, who's on his second UFC run. He got cut originally for getting, I think he lost like three knockouts on the belt. Um, got severely dealt with by Walt Harris in one fight, which was a bit of a vicious knockout. Got knocked out two other times, I believe, off the top of made, got cut. Went off, um, fought in a few regional shows, did a bit of bare-knuckle boxing, came back. He doesn't massively impress me, Chase Sherman, but I do I do like the guy. I follow him on social media, he's quite a, quite a sound guy, man. But Andre Evlosky getting a decision win against another young guy. Andre Vlosky, this was his fifty-first MMA fight. This guy's fought in the UFC since the early 2000s. Former heavyweight champion. Um, has fought outside the UFC in the likes of Strike Force and God knows how many other promotions. Um, affliction. You know what I mean? That old that old promotion. Yeah, all credit to the man. You you can't knock Andre Obloski, man. For a guy who was uh, touted as having a glass jaw earlier in his career I think that myth's gone with him Like this guy took some good shots in this fight Took some good shots in the last fight against Tom Aspinall uh, Put another couple of wins before the Aspinall loss together Against young up-and-coming guys It's fucking crazy man Like the guy is on his 51st professional fight He's 40-something year old And still knocking away and, and you know what I mean Putting up some fucking damn good fights you got to respect the man He's a legend. Honestly, I've been a fan of him since his days of his rivalry with um, Tim Sylvia. I've been a fan of this guy, so I'm all for it. I think it's, I, I really am. A lot of respect for the guy. I think he's pretty fucking amazing, to be honest. But yeah, a good decision win for Ovlosky Against a young guy, young up-and-coming guy. It's impressive. Um, middleweight bout. We had, I was so off on this fight, by the way. Um, we had Abdul Razak Alassan, who was moving up to middleweight. I believe this was his first fight at middleweight after coming off a couple of losses um, against uh, Jacob Malkoon, who trains with Robert Whitaker. This was just a, just a not even a, this was just a takedown clinic. Um, Jacob Malkun coming in with a perfect game plan to beat. Um, a guy like uh, Razak Alasan, who is just an absolute power puncher. The guy's got a, now has a 10-4 and 4 record after losing this fight, but his 10 wins all come from pretty much first-round finishes. Every one of his wins is a first-round knockout, all 10. Um, his losses, um, I know he lost to, I can't remember the guy's name, at welterweight, it was a hell of a kickboxer put it on him. But Abdul Razak Alassane looked fucking huge coming into this fight. He looked blown up, looked very fucking big for the weight class, looked thick compared to how he used to fight at welterweight. Uh, Jacob Malcuno just came in put the wrestling on him just wore him out in that first round the second and third round came came as a clinic it was perfect game plan can't knock the guy was it an exciting fight I enjoyed it to the average fan probably didn't get much out of it but I think it's always I always find it I always enjoy watching someone get absolutely wrestle fucked to bits I really do I think it just completely exposes people um, if you've ever trained any form of grappling, you you know you know what that's like. You know the, the levels of stress and pressure when someone's putting it on you and you have no answer for it, and it wears on you and it tires you and it breaks you. It, it, it's hard to describe the feeling of just having a guy on top of you who is just so much, just knows what they're doing when they're doing it, and you have no answer for it and you have no escape, and you are literally getting pinned pressured and you have no answer for it. it it's a different sort of stress um and and different sort of tiredness as well um yeah it's it's a it's a horrible experience but if you want to train jiu-jitsu and wrestling you have to go for it it's a rite of passage so to speak but yeah jacob malcoon great win especially coming off um i think it was phil hawes knocked him out clean in his last fight but um i honestly thought uh, Alisson was going to come in here and just sleep him but hey man. Not right all the time, as they say. Uh, Tracy Cortez against Justine Keish was a, a great fight. Tracy Cortez is on the up, man. Like this is a girl who you need to be keeping an eye on. She's a great grappler, good striking. Missed weight for this fight by about half a pound, which was disappointing. Bit of a letdown on her side, but it was. This was a great fight, man. I, I enjoyed it right the way through. Very back and forth. A lot of groundwork. A lot of good striking. Enjoyed it. Really did. Uh, opening main card fight was uh, Luis Pena, aka Violent Bob Ross, against Alex Munoz, who is, I believe, from what they were saying at the weekend, is Team Alpha Male's wrestling coach. Uh, this was a great fight, man. Very back and forth. I find, I always find it really frustrating to watch uh, Luis Pena. Luis Pena, the guy is such a specimen for lightweight, and he's fought at featherweight. The guy's six foot three, great striking, great. Um, evasiveness, but he just always seems like he does a lot of really good slipping, but doesn't fire back enough. That's from my, what that's why I always see this is a couple of fights I've seen this in where to miss. He just doesn't seem to have that um, that ping on the counter. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about it. I just get really frustrated watching him do it. He's got this great range, his great height, great movement. Um, very technical kickboxer, but it it always just seems like he's ev- very evasive, but doesn't seem to have that killer instinct, that pop shot to fucking end people. Um, he got he got the decision win, but it was close, man. I wasn't sure if he was going to get it. Um, Alex Munoz rang his rang Pena's bell a few times in this fight. Um, I do think Lewis Peña poured it, in, poured it on him beautifully in the third round, really upped his upped his pace and really got a great flow going. He actually, Lewis Peña looked great in the third, better in the third round than two and three. Very close fight, very, very close fight. But Luis Peña getting the decision win. Um, I think he's only getting better though, Violent Bob Ross, I really do. I think he's only getting better and he's definitely one to watch. Um, Alex, on the prelim. Alexander Romanov, who's a fucking gigantic man. Um there was like one minute to go in the third round. I believe it was um Espino 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 won Espino, landed a low blow on Romanov and they went to a technical decision. Uh Romanov getting the getting the decision. Not the most exciting fight. It was pretty much just Romanov wrestle fucking the shit out of Espin Espino. But Alexander Romanov is a fucking big guy man he's a fucking huge dude um, I know uh, Juan Espino has been out for quite some time I believe he won one of the Ultimate fighter competitions um, women's strawweight Jessica Penn taking four years off to come back and get a decision over Lupita Godinez not the most exciting fight but it was alright not bad great to see uh, Jessica Penn get a decision after four years out it's pretty impressive um, Gerald Joe getting a bit of redemption first round submission two minutes ago two minutes into the first round against um uh Bartos F- Fabrinski um after his uh Jeremy Shaw pulling back after his 17 second knockout loss to Hamzat Shimeev a few months ago it was good to see him get a win back in there great guillotine by the way like really got it hung on to it and committed to it very well done uh, Austin Hubbard got a great win over Dakota Bush. Dakota Bush in this fight came out gun swinging in the first round, like really looked good, um, but very much slowed down in the second and third round. Austin Hubbard, Austin Hubbard's got this thing of being like he's a really young fighter, real up and comer, but just seems to, he's got this veteran aura about him, like this experienced aura where he just seems really like he's, like veteran awareness where. He just seems very aware of what's going on in the cage in the fight. That's what I take from his fights. Like, Dakota Bush came out and bum rushed him in that first round and put it on him, but he sort of kept his cool and carried on going forward with the game plan. He put a lot of takedowns and wrestling on Dakota Bush as the fight went on, wore him down, tired him out. In the third round, Dakota Bush was just pretty much mincemeat for Hubbard. It was a great decision win. I think, I think Dakota Bush could have quite easily stole that first round. But the second and third, Austin Hubbard just upped his game and upped the pace, and very calm, very yeah, veteran-esque. Like like he he knew what he was doing, he knew what his game plan was. He's very much in control of that entire fight. So I was really impressed with Austin Hubbard. I have been in his last couple of fights. He's he's definitely a kid to watch, in my opinion. He really is. But yeah, that was that was the fight night of the weekend. You know what? More better fights than I remember, to be honest. After talking about it. Big takeaway, the only big takeaway for me personally was Robert Whitaker. give the man a title shot, I mean this guy could have got a title shot after his win with Till but said he wanted to get a bit more, a few more fights in so you've got to respect that, I don't think, uh, I've seen people saying he was dodging Izzy and I was like no, he's he's doing it smart, he's getting getting some cage time in, sharpening everything up and I think he's done the right thing because I think after his last three wins, especially this one, that guy is ready to take out Izzy, I really do. That was my big takeaway from this weekend from the UFC. Um not a bad card. I I shouldn't have been so judgmental, but not a great card. Like I, I did enjoy the uh, lose Peña Alex Munoz fight. I thought it was sick. Um I also really enjoyed uh Jeremy Shot guillotine. I thought it was mint as well. And Austin Hubbard just yeah, really put it together. He really really seems to be this real well-rounded um Great fight, IQ. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. So, the next thing I want to talk about is Bellator have caught my attention again this year. Um, I used to watch a lot of Bellator and I sort of fell off with it the last year. They haven't, all credit to them, they haven't had the same um, start power or stopping power as uh, UFC have this year. UFC have been a fucking machine knocking out events this year. They didn't give a fuck about the pandemic. They did it either way. Bellator did quite a few that were really good. Don't get me wrong. I haven't talked about them enough on here. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm gonna make the effort. But when they announced this heavyweight, light heavyweight, sorry, this light heavyweight Grand Prix, they had my attention off the bat. Um, we're now three fights deep into the uh, opening rounds, um, and we're now going into the semifinals. And I'm, I'm excited as fuck for this, man. I really am. Um, so we've had. This weekend, we saw a double hitter of, we had, um, Vadim Nemkov, who's the Bellator Light heavyweight champion, defeating Phil Davis. Not the most exciting fight, but Nemkov's good, man. Like, people don't understand, this guy destroyed Ryan Bader in, in his title fight, which was a massive upset. I talked about this on the show. It, I thought Bader was going to wipe the floor with the fucker. Um, we also saw Corey Anderson, uh, absolutely smush, um, I can't pronounce the guy's first name, but yeah, Yagish, <laughs> Yagish Muradov. Um Anderson obviously was fighting UFC for quite a while and then jumped ship to Bellator. He smushed the guy, man. Like he was just all out wrestling, ground and pound, absolutely destroyed him. Um Yeah. Uh Ryan Bader, uh I believe like the other week, last week or so, um, beat Lyot Machida in a rematch, which was pretty much Vintage Machida coming out, really put it on Bader in the first round, and then Baders took over the rest of the fight and just dominated him. Uh so we're getting Cory Anderson against Ryan Bader. That's coming up next. I don't know when. You haven't announced a date. And you're gonna have uh the champion Vadim Nemkov. He's gonna face the winner of Anthony Johnson and your Romero. That is a fucking banger of a fight. It's fucking insane. You got your Romero and Anthony Johnson who uh for me UFC title contenders, like uh, 205 and middleweight, both uh, Yoromero going up to 205 to face Johnson, who's coming back after quite an absence. Both guys hit like trucks. Anthony Johnson hits people, and they fucking don't fucking move. Like he knocks people the fuck out. This is a guy who's fought everything from welterweight, middleweight, 205, heavyweight, back to 205. This is a crazy fight. It's a crazy move by Bellator to take probably the two. Maybe the two biggest names in this whole tournament and put them, to get, put them against each other in the uh, quarterfinals. I think it's a fucking bold move, man. But either one of them who beats the other completely catapults them up. It really does in star power, in uh, authenticity, etc. So, yeah, winner of Anthony Johnson and Yor Romero take on Badkin Nemkov. Um, and then winner of that takes on the winner of Ryan Bader-Corey Anderson. Um... If I had to guess, I think, I don't know. I can't really make a prediction on the Johnson-Romero fight. I really can't. I'm really unsure of it. Um, I think Baird beats Corey Anderson, no problem. I really do. I think Baird has got the wrestling pedigree to probably inflict wrestling more on Anderson than he will on him. And I think Baird's striking is far, far, far better than Anderson. Far better. So, yeah. But I'm I'm excited, man. It's been... um, yeah, it's been a it's been a little banger. It really has. Um, it's I'm excited for it. It's it, it, it's simple, man. Like you, Bellator have got my fucking attention again. Um, I'm always a big fan of Bellator in the sense of there's a lot of fighters over there who, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, Douglas Lima is one of them. I've have been a big fan of Douglas Lima for years. Gegard Masassi. I've been a massive fan of Masassi since his days of fighting in Strikeforce of Dream. Always had a lot of time for him. Um yeah. Another one from this weekend, you yeah, have Bellator two fifty seven. The big takeaway for me was uh Paul Daly uh knocking out Sabah Hamassi. Uh great great to see uh Paul Daly getting a knockout, especially him talking about how he's probably coming to the end of his career as well. Uh big fan of Paul Semtex D- Daly. The guy's a the guy's a beast. Honestly, the guy's an absolute beast. It's it's I can't say any more than that. Um, been a big fan of him for fucking many years. Uh, UK guy as well. Who people talk about uh, left hands in MMA. Uh, Daly's left hook is an absolute fucking missile in every sense of the word. It is a scary fucking weapon. Scary weapon. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, Bellator. Well done. I like like not to keep going on. I like the tournament format. I think it's very fucking interesting. The tournament, it's such a clear shot to a title shot or or to give a title. It's such a clear way of doing it. And I like it. I think it's simple. I think it's to the point. The UFC say they don't want to do it. Well, Dana White says he doesn't like tournaments. And I think it is good to keep the UFC structure with the rankings, even though the rankings are a joke most of the time. I think it is good to keep the rankings in one organization, and Bellator, keeping the tournament as their sort of protocol in their organisation. I do like that. It gives a big difference between the organisations. Um, there's always that age-old question of, you know, how would the Bellator champs weigh up against the UFC champs? I think that's always a good, good question. I think it's always interesting to talk about. Will we ever see it? I fucking doubt it. I really do. I thoroughly doubt it. But, yeah, very excited about the Light Everywhere tournament. Um one more quarterfinals, then we're on to the semis, and then the finals, so, by the end of this year, probably, I reckon, probably, maybe by, yeah, October, well, I think October will probably get the final, which, I, I think it's going to be Ryan Bader, I think we'll make it through at the finals, I don't know, Nemkov, Nemkov's got one of two fucking absolute destroyers heading for him, so, yeah. But don't get me wrong, Nemkov's fucking underrated, man. That guy, that guy's a beast. I think this is going to be... Um, this could be the big subject for today coming up next. And that is UFC 261 that is happening next weekend on the 25th of April. And this is an absolute banger of a main card. An absolute banger. Triple title bouts... Um, you a uh, middleweight veterans clash and a light heavyweight upcomer versus a light heavyweight former title contender it, this whole main card is it's five fights and five fucking mental ones yeah I, where to start in the main event we've got a rematch between Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal which everyone's talking about at the moment it's a massive topic of conversation I actually watched the countdown show on YouTube for this last night, and man, it is such an interesting three title fights we've got coming up. The cut, the main event, we've got Cameron Rosman, Jorge Masvidal, the rematch, which is fucking huge. Uh, women's strawweight co main event, we've got Wei Li Zhang versus Rose Namajunas. Wei Li Zhang, the reigning strawweight champion against Rose Namajunas, who's the former strawweight champion. We've got flyweight, we've got Valentina Shevchenko, who's just killing every girl in that division at the moment, fighting Jessica Andrade, who is the former strawweight women's champion. Those three title fights are fucking quality, high quality MMA fights. We've got a middleweight fight between two veterans, which is another rematch of Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman, very interesting fight to talk about today. And then the opener is light heavyweight clash between Anthony Smith, former UFC title contender, against up-and-coming killer Jimmy Crute. Um Let's start with the main event, man. Like Usman Masvidel. Masvidal, the first fight, Masvidal takes the fight on, what, six days' notice, cuts 20 pounds, goes in there, does five rounds with Usman, basically just gets cage-clinched and worked. Just worked on. That was about it. Landed some good shots in the fight did really good defensively, got beaten up against the cage, basically, standard Camaro was, um, yeah, how does the rematch go, that's the question, Jorge Masvidal with a full camp, with a, a better weight cut, he's already been in there, and pretty much had the worst of Usman, he's had the worst scenario, short notice fight, shit weight cut, thrown in, thrown in with the best welterweight in the world, you know what I mean? This fight, well, oh, it's a hard one, man. Because you go, is Masvidal going to come in and just fucking? Are we going to see another another you know redemption of Masvidal? Are we going to see? Are we going to see street fucking street Jesus baptize Usman? It's a oh, it's a fucking interesting one, man. I'm I'm really excited for this whole card, but that fight is a fucking massive question mark with me. I've backed Usman in probably his last like ten fights. I think the guy is an absolute beast. He's a destroyer. He's a dominator. He literally is just an absolute physical specimen. Amazing wrestling. The striking is there as well. Like The way he decimated Gilbert Burns in their last fight. Yeah, it's there. It really is. The striking is there for Usman. Jorge oh, hey, Masvidal Masvidal's boxing though. Slash kickboxing. His boxing is... His evasiveness, his fucking counters, his tenacity on the feet is matched second to none. Like, oh man, like, all him striking is fucking unreal. And it's not just like, well, you know, he knocked out Darren Till, flying need Ben Askren into the Shadow Realm and took apart Nate Diaz. It's not about that. You watch his previous fights, watch his countering, watch his evasiveness. Go watch a few breakdown videos on YouTube of Hoya Masvidal's boxing. It is fucking unreal. Um, I think there's really... I, I can't remember. might be Brandon Dorman. I, I can't remember which, um, which YouTube channel it is. Did a great breakdown of him versus Jake Allenberger. And there are shots that Masvidal lands in that fight that you... If you watch the actual fight, you don't even see him land. You don't even see, like, how just how slick his fucking defense is and how good his counters, especially his body shots and his hooks are fucking unreal. Um, Masvidal's legit, man. It's the same, yeah, watch his knockout with Donald Cerrone, same again. The counter, just the counter striking in that fight was, was fucking amazing. Yeah, man. Like, I don't know, like, I. Uh, if you said put the house on it, I'd go with Usman. I think Usman, is, it's just going to be a lot of cage time. Um, well, sorry, cage clinch. Um, a lot of cage clinch, a lot of foot stomps again, body shots, those big body, sh- body shots from the underhook. If I had to put the house on it, yeah, but at the same time, we might see Masvidal come out and just come out of that fucking first round and starch Usman. You just don't know. It's the beauty of this sport. I say it all the time. You don't know what's going to happen. You can only guess at what you've seen previously. If you have to ask me, I think Usman decisions him. I really do. I don't think he gets Masvidal out there. But there's nothing to say that Masvidal doesn't sleep Usman. Just a beautiful... I think it's going to be some crazy counter off the jab. I think Usman will go for that heavy, heavy jab he does. Masvidal might slip that, crack him and finish him. You don't know, man. This is the beauty of this fight. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than the first fight with Jorge Masvidal getting a full camp, no shit weight cut, not taking a fight on six days notice against someone like Usman. Man, we just don't know. We honestly don't. It's insane. It really is. I'm very excited for this main event. Um, Yeah. Oh, you just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, co-main event. Weili Zhang versus Rose Namajunas. Weili Zhang's a beast. She is a beast. Um, her destruction of Jessica Andrade to take the title, her absolute, one of the greatest fights of all time against Joanna uh, Jinchenchek. Um, fuck. Like, the woman. The woman's a beast, man. Rose Namajunas, though, on her right day, is flawless. Like, she is an unbelievably technical kickboxer. Great jiu-jitsu as well. My my take from this, the only thing that I keep thinking about this fight is Rosalind Madunas has a bad habit of getting tagged. Weili Zhang hits like a fucking truck for a 115-pound chick. Like, she throws bombs. Like, she fucked Joanna Jinchenchek's fucking head up. Like, she hit her that hard in the forehead. She swelled her fucking... She gave her a hematoma in... in like, her whole head was a hematoma. Um, I think Namajunas, if she plays this fight smart takes this fight, I genuinely do it's just whether or not yeah, it's it's. Rose Namajunas coming off a rematch against Jessica Andrade avenged that loss, but in those later round, she took some heavy shots, and a, and you could see it visibly on her face, she took some heavy shots Lee Zainar I think hits harder than Jessica Andrade I also think she's a lot more technical with it as well Um, I think if Rose Namajunas can keep the fight smart keep it technical keep it at distance I think she picks Whaley Zhang apart but if Whaley Zhang draws her into a firefight I think it could be a bad night for Rose Namajunas that's my take on it but that's a great fight it honestly is so interesting big fan of Rose Namajunas I really am very much enjoy watching her fight I think her kickboxing is fucking so technical and so clean and crisp it's it's a it's nice to watch. It really is. It's nice to see a, a flow with it. It's amazing. Women's flyweight title bout. We've got Valentina Shevchenko Bullock- who is just murdering women in this division. She's a women's flyweight champion. She's done two round, well, two fights at 135 against Amanda Nunes. Um, she's beat Ioana Chenchek, and she's fighting Jessica Andrade who's the former strawweight champion who's went up to 125 and beat Caitlin Chugigan by body shots. Jessica Andrade is five, a 5-1 five, pit bull. Like, she is a fucking beast. She's short for the division. She's stocky, powerful, powerful grappler, strong as an ox, and hits fucking hard. I don't think that's enough for Valentina Shevchenko. I think Valentina, Valentina Shevchenko may have very well just this girl apart and maybe knock her out with a head kick uh, early on. I really do. I just don't I don't see anyone at that 125 division going near Shevchenko. I really don't. I just don't see it. Like I don't think any girl has got the capabilities to keep the pace, tolerate the striking, or even the grappling of Valentina Shevchenko is impressive. She has wins over people, like submission wins over people like Jessica Jessica Ah, oh, I can't remember the name. Um, yeah, who's fighting Amanda Nunes soon. God damn it. Jessica Penn. Jessica Penn, is it? No, she fought. Ah, fuck my life. Juliana Pena. Boom, got it. Yeah, she has a submission over her. She's a great grappler, great wrestler, great jiu-jitsu. So, yeah, um, it's basically, it does feel a bit at the minute with... Uh, Valentina Shevchenko like it's turned into a bit of a she just it just the she's smashing all these great, great fighters at one twenty five who've looked great in all the other fights, but she seems like she's crushing cans. Now there's a lot of talk about Shevchenko going back up to thirty five and having a trilogy fight with Nunes. I think Valentina Shevchenko just needs to keep killing chicks at one twenty five and just you know what I mean? Chase Nunes for the, the Chess Nunes for the greatest, uh, female fighter comp- like, you know, pedestal, And she just needs to keep doing that, man, she's, she's just wiping people out at 125, so leave her to it, man, just leave her to it, but, um, I, yeah, I think, uh, Shevchenko takes out Andrade pretty easily, just with everything, she's just got everything going for her in this fight, middleweight rematch from both of these guys, um, both of these guys fought in the regional scene before coming to the UFC, Uriah Hall and Chris Wyman. Chris Weidman's a former middleweight title holder, former middleweight champion. Um, Uriah Hall is Uriah always that guy who I look at as one of the biggest underachievers in MMA. When this guy came through on the Ultimate Fighter, he looked like he was going to wipe the division and take the title off Anderson Silva at the time. And he just didn't. He just did not live up to the hype. He didn't live up to the expectation. This is a guy, though, who's had fights and looked absolutely incredible. And he's also had fights where he's just been absolutely dealt with. It's a real hard one. Um, You look at his his knockout. For example, he he goes and beats Gegard Mousasi, who at the time was just running through the middleweight division pretty much. He was pretty much seen as like a guy who was going to run through that division. Uh, hits Uri- uh, hits uh, Gagai Musashi with a spinning back kick to the face. Then a flying knee and finishes him with strikes. And everyone was like, that's Uriah Hall. That's the Uriah Hall that we all fucking expected. Then later down the line, rematches Musashi and Musashi beats the fucking daylights out of him. Uriah Hall's is one of them guys. He's striking, so good and all that, but he just has fights where he just looks so underwhelming. And then he can have a performance like that against Musasi back in the day, where he just looks like the best middleweight in the world. It's insane. Underachiever. That's all I can describe him as. I just see him as a massive underachiever. Um, I think everyone in the Euro- the um, MMA community just expected this guy to be like the coming of fucking Christ. You know what I mean? You watched him on the Ultimate Fighter, and you seen the finishes he had in the Ultimate Fighter. You see how good he looked, how much how much better he looked than everyone standing and it showed in the fights Then he, he fought Kelvin Gaslam in the in the finale and that was like a bit of a red light where he just couldn't pull the trigger and he got out by Gaslam and beat it, that is what it is don't get me wrong uh, Chris Weidman former UFC champion um, went on a killing spree knocks out Anderson Silva beats Anderson Silva by a, checking a leg kick and Anderson breaking his leg Then goes on to um, beat uh, Layout Machida in a great fight and then decimates Vito Belfort. Then goes on this losing spree of Luke Rockhold beats him for the title, beats the piss out of him on the ground. He then loses to Yor Romero by flying knee, then loses to Gegard Massassi, then I think he beats, beats Gaslam. Um, yeah, it's a hard one with Chris Wyman. Chris Wyman's just a guy who just went on the decline out of nowhere. I think he just got sort of, yeah, he just got, don't get me wrong, you lose to, at the time, he lost to Rockhold Romero and Masassi, which are probably, they were probably at that time, the three best middleweights in the world. No shame there. Comes back, beats Kelvin Gaston in a great fight. Great, great fight. And then, you know, he's tried going up to 205. Got absolutely dealt with there by like fucking Dominic Reyes, knocked the fuck out of him. Um, yeah, came back recently. Uh, got a big win at Middleweight, decision win. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's one of them where I think this is a perfect fight for the perfect time. I really do. Uriah Hall's coming off a his last win against Anderson Silva, where he basically sent Anderson Silva on his way from the UFC. Yeah. I don't know this. I, I think Wyman Wyman just needs to utilize his wrestling in this fight. He just needs to wrestle fuck the shit out of Uriah Hall, and go from there. That's the only re- way I can see him. It's the clearest way of victory in my opinion. I might be right. I might be wrong with that, but yeah. Then we've got our light heavyweight fight kicking off this main card, which I, I'm very looking forward to. Jimmy Crouse against Anthony Smith. Big fan of Anthony Smith. I think the guy's great ambassador for the sport. Great personality. Very good on the mic. Um, In the sense of uh, From an analytical point of view From fights, post fight um, Interviews and you know At the desk and that But the guy is also an absolute fucking savage When it comes to fighting He's had a couple of losses recently Came back and beat uh, Won by triangle in his last fight Uh, Looked really good doing that Jimmy Crute's an up and coming Young guy who is just An absolute killer He's 12 and 1 his only losses to Merker, Serkinov, is it, I believe, by Peruvian necktie. Otherwise from that, he's been knocking people out, he's been submitting black belts, he's been his last fight was one of the fucking nastiest knockouts of this last year or so. Anthony Smith, Jimmy Crute, That that's a pick em fight. If Anthony Smith turns up and he's ready to go, I think uh Smith takes his fight, but Crute throws bombs, he's got a great fucking Jiu Jitsu game. Very interesting, man. Very interesting fight to take from that. Um, Then you've got the prelims. Alex Oliveira versus Randy Brown could be a pick-em-fight. That's just going to be... I think that could be just a crazy war, man. Dwight Grant versus Stefan Sukulik. Carl Robertson versus Brendan Allen. And Pat Sapatini versus Tristan Connolly. I love Tristan Connolly. This is a guy, this is a guy who literally fought at one seventy on short notice against Michelle Pereira and won. Like it's fucking crazy, man. It like that guy was one of my favourite stories from the other year. And I always said when he was fighting at 170, I was like, That guy's a fucking featherweight, man. He is he is not a fucking welterweight. He was he, he was dwarfed in comparison. And he weathered the early storm, let Michelle Pereira punch himself and backflip himself out. Exhaust himself and then just took it to him. And just ground him out. I can't wait to see Tristan Connolly fight. I really can't wait. Especially two weight classes below of what he did fight at in his debut. I think it's amazing. It's going to be amazing to see. It really is. Very much looking forward to that. Very much looking forward to it. But yeah, UFC 261, man. Next weekend is going to be a banger. I can't wait to talk about it next week. It's exciting, man. Oh, so exciting. Very, 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 very looking forward to this very much. um, Yeah. Now, this week we've got another triple hitter of uh, this week in MMA history. We've got UFC 52, UFC 70, and UFC 83. And three, for me, massive impactful moments for me in the sport, genuinely. We're going to start with UFC 52, April 16th, 2005. This was the second meeting of Randy Couture versus Chuck Liddell. Uh, These two guys had a trilogy fight, a very famous trilogy uh, rivalry. They fought three times. This was the second. Um, The first met in two thousand and three, in which Randy Couture, standard Randy Couture, went and upset Chuck Liddell. UFC forty-three, June sixth, two thousand and three, TKO Chuck Liddell. With ground strikes, yeah, it was it was one of them. Randy Couture was renowned for being that older guy who just came in and just fucking just flipped the script. You know what I mean? This is a guy who just beat everyone. Be like he was that guy who you were always like, he's too old and this, that, and the other. And yeah, just incredible. He's just one of those absolute legends. He seems to have been sort of wiped from the books in the UFC due to various uh, various reasons in a lot of ways. It's a strange one. But, I mean, the guy took, you know, the guy was like in his maybe 40-year-old fighting Chuck Liddell, and Chuck Liddell at the time was a marauder. He was an absolute killer. He was just wiping people out, just walking through people. And he, then next thing you know, he runs into, runs into Randy Couture, and Randy Couture is basically... Pressures him with boxing, takes him down and beats the shit out of him. Um, yeah, gets a TKO win. Uh, a couple of years later, they finally get the rematch, and it's for the it's for the light heavyweight championship. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's one of the, one of those fights that always stays in history. Man, Chuck Liddell knocks out Randy Katua, gets the belt or keeps the belt, I should say. No, gets the belt, yeah. Wins the belt of, of um, Katua, Yeah, Ch- Chuck Liddell. I can't say enough good things about Chuck Liddell back in the day, man. The guy was just a destroyer. Absolute destroyer. Did he go on a decline in the last bit of his career? Yeah, of course he did. He, and that's just a simple thing of his jaw went. Like The guy still had the same style of that marching forward, looping left hook, heavy overhand, heavy right hand. His kicks were good. Yeah, it's, it's an epic moment though. It was finally the time that Chuck Liddell finally got that title. I mean, building up to this fight, um, yeah, it, I mean, before uh, before Chuck Liddell went out to Pride and tried competing over there, he went into the Pride tournament, knocked out Alistair Overeem in the first round and then went on to get beat by Quinton Jackson. Comes back, K.O.'s T.O.T.'s, K.O.'s Vernon White, and then K.O.'s Randy Couture for the championship. He then went on to beat Jeremy Horn, Randy Couture again, Renato Sobral, T.O.T.'s again, then ran into the likes of Quinton Jackson, and the title there. Chuck Vidal was one of those guys who was just, he was one of like the first big faces of the UFC. You know what I mean? He had that mohawk, head tattoo. And just he was one. Of, he was one of those first designers of that sprawl and brawl. He wasn't using wrestling to take people down and pin them. He was using wrestling to stop people taking him down, and then just banging them the fuck out. Um, yeah, it was just. It's one of those real epic moments for me. Like I, I loved this fight. Um, even the rest of the card was full of uh, legends of the sport. Like he had. Uh, Renato Sobral versus uh Travis Wolf by submission. We had Matt Hughes, another epic this is another absolutely epic fight as well. Uh Matt Hughes versus Frank Trigg, one of the greatest fights of all time. Um yeah, I totally forgot this was on the card as well. Uh we had Matt Lindland versus uh Travis Luther. There we had uh Joseph Pierre versus Jason Miller, very young George Pierre on his up and comer. Uh Ivan Salavery beating Joe Riggs. Joe Dirksen beating Patrick Cote and Mike Van Aysdale Arles- beating John Marsh. But, yeah, man, crazy card. Like, just full of submissions and <laughs> one knockout. But, yeah, man, I, like Chuck Liddell, though, Chuck Liddell was just that guy, man. Like, everyone loved watching him fight. Um, it was one of the hardest things watching, Uf- watching UFC at the time, was watching his decline, watching him... Yeah, just watching that jaw go, basically. Like, I mean, after this fight, um, like I said, after this fight, Chuck Liddell still go on to have a, a great career. Um, he'd knock out, like I said, he'd knock out Randy Couture. He'd then beat Jeremy Horn, Randy Couture again, Enad subral again, the Ortiz again. Then he'd run into this next generation of fighters coming up. Um, you know what I mean? He'd... He'd be beat by Quinton Jackson, which was one of the most gutting moments in MMA for me. Um, I became a massive fan of Rampage, don't get me wrong over time, but that was hard to watch Chuck Adele get absolutely slept by Jackson. He went on to lose a decision against Keith Jardine, which was it, arguably Chuck won that fight, like it's a back and forth. He'd then finally get a fight with Bandolet Silva, who's the Pride. Um, pretty much like one of the greatest fights of the year this um, he'd fight Vanderlei Silva, who was the Pride champion at the time, or was former Pride champion at the time, when them two were both at the peaks. He'd win a decision and, and won an amazing fight. He'd then go on to get KO'd by Rashad Evans, uh, Shogun Hua and Rich Franklin, and go into retirement. He'd then come back eight years later to be beat by Tito Ortiz. It's a it's a sad, sad ending to an absolutely epic career. Um, I still thoroughly enjoy whacking on a load of fucking um whacking on a load of Chuck Liddell fights and enjoying watching him fight back in the day I fucking loved watching him fight it's just a it's a shame but nothing taken away from this epic moment when he knocked out Randy Couture in the rematch finally got the belt finally became that guy finally got what he deserved man um after this fight, Randy Couture, like I say, it's a weird one. Randy Couture has been basically wiped from the history books in a lot of ways because um, of his disputes with the UFC and that. But Randy Couture, after, after losing the 205 belt, would go up to heavyweight, beat Tim Sylvia for the heavyweight title, defend it against Gabriel Gonzaga. He'd then run into Brock Lesnar, who had probably about 50-odd pounds on him, who'd lose there. He'd then go on to lose an absolute hell of a fight. One of the best fights of the year back in 2009 against um, Big Nog. He'd then go back to 205, beat Brandon Vera, beat Mark Coleman, beat James Toney, and then would retire after a crane kick KO loss to Leo Machida back in 2011. So, yeah, crazy, man. It's a, it's a crazy, I, I think Randy Couture went out the right way. Um, yeah, he definitely went out the right way. He lost to a former champion and, up in, uh, and young killer in layout Machida at the time. Had some great matches against, you know, the likes of veterans like Mark Coleman, Vera, Big Nog, Gonzaga, Tim Silvia. But even before that, he's got wins over Vito Belfort, TOTs, Chuck Liddell, Pedro Hizo twice. Um, Kevin Randall and Jeremy Horn uh Maurice Smith it's insane absolutely insane um yeah man Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell I'll end it on this are absolute legends to the end they really are I think Liddell gets talked about a lot and I think we need to celebrate what he did not what he lost and Couture needs talked about a lot fucking more a lot lot more he really doesn't get the, get the credit he deserves in this modern era. So, yeah, that's my take on it. UFC 52, April 16, 2005. The two second fight in the trilogy of Chuck Liddell versus Randy Couture. Just sick. Absolutely awesome. Next one. Next one on this week in MMA history of UFC 70. This is mainly the main thing I want to talk about. This is, is just one fight off this card. The main event of this card was one of the most epic knockouts in MMA history. It was the night that Gabriel Gonzaga, a fairly unknown heavyweight grappler, Mirko Crocop, Mirko Krokop. Mirko Krokop was coming over to the UFC from Pride. He was this absolute fucking killer in Pride. And I mean fucking killer. He was on, you know, a fucking streak of head kick knockouts. It was pretty much the old saying went, I believe it right kick cemetery well, right kick hospital, left kick cemetery. That was the saying for him. That's how much of an absolute fucking murderer this guy was, man. In every way, shape, and form. The guy was head kicking people into oblivion. Head kicking people with that high left head kick that was so quick and powerful it was just sleeping people. It was scary to watch I never really knew about Krokop that much. I wasn't banging to Pride, Pride at the time was sort of over there over there, and I was banging to UFC um, I wish I'd watched more of it when I had the chance at the time, I wish I'd came up watching it um, but yeah either way, so Crocrop comes to the UFC, you know debuts against Eddie Sanchez gets a TKO goes on to fight uh, Gabriel Gonzaga and I think it was one of those the sort of you know, threw Gonzaga in there. Really good grappler, but otherwise, he was there to get head kicked by Crocop. And Gabriel Gonzaga just landed this head kick from hell, and Mirko Crocop, Mirko Crocop. There's no other way to describe it. I remember the first time I seen this knockout, it was just like, what the fuck. And this was in uh, April 21st, 2007. It's a, it's one of those knockouts that still does the rounds to this day it's still every so often you'll see a knockout highlight reel and that'll pop up right in the fucking middle of it. It's incredible. It's just this absolute head kick of death. And it was, it was, It. and then I believe Gonzaga went on to fight Randy Couture for the heavyweight title after this fight and got, got beat up in it, got beat up in that fight. But yeah, man, it was just, fucking crazy. It's crazy to think about because I'd heard about Cro Cop, I knew what he was doing and it was one of them where watching him come in, you were like, Ah fuck this Krokop guy is legit. He's he's this absolutely feared kickboxer with just absolute death kicks. And to watch Gabriel Gonzaga throw that head kick and just take Krokop out viciously. Yeah man, what a what a fucking crazy one. Absolutely fucking insane, like insane. Um also on that card we had Andre Vlosky we talked about earlier Beating Fabrizio Vadoom. We had then up and coming, Michael Bispin, beating Elvis Elvis Sinisic by TKO. We had Lyoto Machida. Um I believe just basically knee and ten chairs of shit out of David Heath for three rounds. We had Chuck Congo. He was fighting um on that card. UK standout Terry Etim uh defeating Matt Grice by Guillotine. Junior Sun at lightweight beating David Lee. Alessio Sakara beating KO head kick and punches. There's a lot of lot of good UK guys on that card, man. A lot of good UK guys. But that knockout was just like that head kick heard around the world. Like first round head kick knockout by Gonzaga against a guy who's renowned for head kick knockout in people. Insane man. It is one of those insane fucking insane finishes that no one's seen it coming. No one expected it. The third and final event for this week in in MMA history. Um, It's crazy how we talked about the first fight of Georges St-Pierre and Matt Serra last week, and it was the anniversary of it. And strangely enough, a week later, it's the anniversary of their rematch. Um, Yeah, this was the redemption of Georges St-Pierre. He was getting a rematch against the only, one of two guys to only ever beat him. And this was the second time he was going to get a second go at getting it. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. It was uh, Joseph St-Pierre. He was already in, uh, interim champion, beat Matt Hughes. And he was going going for that title. And this was just the ultra version of GSP. He took Matt Sarah down at will, beat him up at will. And finished him in the second round with knees to the body. It was a massacre. There's no two ways about it. Joseph and pierre came into this fight in unbelievable condition. Ready mentally, ready physically. was the bigger guy and just decimated Matt Serra in every way. Just absolutely decimated Um, Yeah, Georges pierre only has two losses on his record against Matt Hughes and Matt Serra. He's avenged both those losses in devastating fashion may I add as well. Um, Yeah, I don't know what more you can say about that. Um, You know what I mean? Josh St-Pierre, clambered, he just just starched his way through um, everyone on his way to this rematch. Uh, He lost to Matt Serra at UFC 69. He goes on to a decision, Josh Koscheck, at UFC 74. um, Submits Matt Hughes at UFC 79. And yeah, goes on to just decimate Masera. um I talked about Joseph Pierre's record last week, but yeah, the guy has a pretty flawless record. he's barely lost rounds in his career. Is he the greatest of all time? I think he might be. I honestly do think he might be like i can argue I can argue a handful of different fighters for it, but Joseph Pierre just seems the clearest way to decide it um but yeah, decimate Masera. Like there was no, it wasn't even competitive. It was outstruck him, took him down at will, pounded on him on the ground and just finished him with knees to the body, vicious, vicious knees to the body. Matt Serra was turtled up and Jonathan St-Pierre was swinging his leg behind his head and just dropping knees onto his ribs, man. It was horrible to watch. Um, also on that card we had Rich Franklin just running through Travis Luther. Travis Luther coming off his loss for the middleweight title against Silver, I believe, in which he missed weight and submitted, anyways. This is a weird one. This may, This is the worst fight in MMA history. Nate Quarry versus Caleb Stans. Caleb Stans didn't engage at all. It's one of the few times where I remember there being a 30 24 on the cards. Nate Quarry basically walked Caleb Stans back, and Caleb Stans just ran away the entire time. Literally just ran away yeah, insane, like, it was fucking ridiculous, uh, we've seen uh, Michael Bispin, young Michael Bispin, I believe debuting at middleweight against Charles McCarthy, winning by um, TKO, via uh, knees in the clinch, in which I think he's pretty sure he broke Charles McCarthy's arms with knees, He broke his arm with knees, I should say, from the clinch, we had Mac Danzig beating Mark Borchek by submission, Jason Dare defeating Alan Belcher by TKO, Jason McDonald, Defeating Joe Dirksen by elbows. We had Damien Meyer getting one of it's one of my favourite finishes of all time against Ed Herman, where um got a triangle, mounted him, put him out with a triangle and finished with strikes at the same time. Amazing finish. Damian Meyer up and coming at the time and just was submitting the fuck out of everyone. We had Rich Clemente decision in Sam Stout. We had Cain Velasquez, heavyweight legend and cha- ex champion making his UFC debut after, like, I think he'd had maybe two pro fights in one of them, maybe in Bulldog and Strikeforce, and just destroyed Bad Morris without trying. And we had um, Jonathan Goulet beating um, Kuniyoshi Hironaka. But, yeah, uh, three three pretty big events from um, this week in MMA history. All had massive connotations for me. yeah, three events that you should definitely go check out. Um, especially the headliners. All very historic moments, all well worth a watch. Um yeah, massive all three had a massive impact on the sport at that time and throughout history. But yeah. Anyways guys, I'm gonna end the show today there. Um I'm gonna end it on a high note as well. It's we're in the UK, uh the restrictions are lifted, people are actually allowed out and about to drink, socialise and eat food outdoors. We've got like maybe about another month of this and then we're back to no restrictions and after a year of this fucking bullshit we're actually going back to our normal normal lives if all goes to plan. I'm praying to God that fucking we just go back to normal lives. One of which I can have fucking guests around again. Um and just seeing friends and family properly. Like honestly guys like it's been a fucking struggle this year for everyone. It has. But just remember we've all got through it we're almost there, so just hold your head up high, and fucking, let's all just get through this last fucking four weeks of bullshit, and then we're fucking there, we can see each other, we can socialise, we can drink again, we can do whatever makes you fucking happy without having the risk of being fined or fucking jailed by the government for living your life, easy as that's the nicest way I can put it, man, but... Yeah guys, honestly I hope honestly I hope everyone who listens to this is doing well. I hope you're all keeping okay. Just stay strong. Let's get through this last month and then we're back to it. Um if you listen to this anywhere else in the world, I honestly hope you're keeping alright as well. I hope I hope um I hope you're out of restrictions. I hope you're enjoying life as well as you can at the moment. But yeah. But everyone, honestly take care of yourselves, guys. Um we'll be back next week. Uh UFC two sixty one next weekend is gonna be a banger. That's going to be the main topic of conversation, I'd say, next week. Uh, Yeah, tune in. Uh, Just remember, guys, if you miss the show, it's Monday night at 11 p.m., jmaradio.co.uk. And then we repeat shows on Thursday at 1 p.m. and Thursday at 11 p.m., guys. So if you miss it on Monday night, just remember you've got two opportunities on Thursday. And then most weeks, the shows are pretty much uploaded on a Friday to Spotify, Pocket Cast, iTunes... And a few more little spots as well I can't remember the names of So yeah guys, take care of yourselves Thank you all very much for listening I really appreciate it Hope you have a great day, great week Great month, whatever man Like hey, look after yourselves Take care, bye